might have been the best race of the season. Carlos Sainz won his first Formula One Grand Prix, taking the checkered flag at Silverstone in a race that had so much drama, so much action, many different storylines, some good, some really scary, some controversial, some just downright bad. It all added up to one of the best races of the year and a first-time winner in Carlos Sainz. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Dezieri. We will review the race, talk about the storylines outside the Grand Prix, give you where we are in the standings and look at all 10 teams and how they did this weekend at Silverstone. But first, we'd like you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Thanking you for all of the support that you've given us. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for your interest in the Overtake F1 podcast. I hope we do a good enough job that you will subscribe to the podcast. Help us grow. All right, so let's get started. Carlos Sainz starting from pole position after a great lap in wet conditions on Saturday in Q3. Max Verstappen didn't seem all that upset that he wound up in P2 because he probably figured he had a really good car for a Sunday, could jump out, take the lead from the start, which is exactly what he did. Verstappen getting a great jump at lights out, had the lead coming out of Abbey. Behind him was signs, but behind them, there was trouble. A collision at the start said Zhou Guan Yu upside down, skidding across the circuit, skidding across the gravel. It sent him over the barrier into the catch fence. It was a horrific crash. George Russell also involved. He got out of his car, ran right over to see if Joe was okay. Pierre Gasly had gotten between Russell and Joe at the start. That also sent Alex Albon into the wall, into Esteban Ocon. It was a mess. It was really a mess. But in the end, thank God everyone was okay. And that leads us to a point here, which is the Halo debate is kind of over now, right? I mean, it should have been a while ago. But maybe there were some old school fans, old school drivers who just simply didn't like it. But it's clearly a lifesaver. And it's not just the big ones that we've seen save lives. Roman Grosjean at Bahrain, Lewis Hamilton's head being protected from Max Verstappen's tire at Monza. It's also moments like Sunday where Joe could have easily been killed in this one had his head been unprotected as the car flew upside down on the track, gravel and then thrown into the fence. And many people pointed out on social media, George Russell ignoring his own result at his home Grand Prix to rush over to see if Joe was okay was absolutely tremendous. So then it became a long red flag as the marshals and crew cleaned up all the cars and sorted out a restart. And when they did, they decided to go with the original running order with signs back on pole position for Stappen and P2 and obviously minus the few cars that did not make the restart. Signs this time, though, he didn't succumb to Verstappen's quick reflexes. He was able to take the lead in Abbey and then they went side by side at the start. But you had great racing with two Ferraris and two Red Bulls taking it towards the Wellington Strait. Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen did make contact a few times. Lewis Hamilton was in the back of that bunch along with Lando Norris. Sergio Perez suffered some damage during that run. Lap five, he had to make a very early pit stop. He went in fourth, came out 17th on a new set of mediums. Meanwhile, Sainz was maintaining his lead, but Verstappen was starting to close it, getting the lead to under a second. So it was looking like Montreal again, but in reverse. On lap 10, Sainz went off the track, coming out of Beckett's, heading into the hangar straight, and that's when Verstappen took the lead. I got to admit, at this point, I thought barring anything crazy, Verstappen was going to cruise to victory. You can't make a mistake like that, and you think you'd get the lead back from Verstappen and Red Bull. Leclerc was behind signs, and at that point, he wanted to go past him because he was the faster car. So then Ferrari was deciding, you know, all right, so we swapped the drivers around. 
something crazy did happen. Max suffered a puncture going over some carbon debris and started to slow down. Sainz takes the lead again, and now Ferrari then has the two top spots. Verstappen had a good pit stop, he got new tires, and then came out on the track in sixth place. So you have the two Red Bulls drivers pitting early for problems, and Ferrari had the two positions up front. It also meant that Lewis Hamilton at this point was in third place. So at signs leading, Leclerc was radioing into the team, like wanting to pass him because he was a faster car. And while they were doing that, racing up front, Hamilton's right behind him and he's closing. And if there's one driver who does feel the crowd and gets something extra from the cheers, it's Lewis Hamilton. So this is not the guy you want to be messing with while you're racing up front for P1 when you should be letting Leclerc pass because he is the faster car. you got to put a gap between first and Hamilton because here he comes. Lap 21, though, Carlos Sainz comes into the pits. He gets new tires. Leclerc is now the leader of the race. Hamilton is second. Sainz comes out third just ahead of Lando Norris. He took hard tires, and the speculation at that point was could Sainz get to the end on those because he needed like 31 laps to the finish. On lap 26, Charles Leclerc comes in. He also gets hard tires. More on that in a minute. And Lewis Hamilton was the race leader and leading a race for the first time this season. So now at this point, could Hamilton extend his lead over Carlos Sainz just enough to avoid the undercut? He needed a little over 19 seconds in the pit window, and he had it at 18. The hard tires at this point weren't really working well for Ferrari. Sainz was kind of struggling at this point in the race. Leclerc wanted again to pass him, to, and if that kept up, if they were going to continue to battle, Hamilton was going to see that window grow and grow. However, on lap 31, Leclerc was allowed to pass Carlos Sainz, and he was able to keep that interval under 18 seconds. So Hamilton wasn't going to be able to pit and then come out with the lead. But then Hamilton does go in for hard tires. He had a slower stop, and that cost him. He came out behind the two Ferraris, losing a second and a half on that pit stop. But on lap 39, this is where the race changes. Esteban Ocon loses power, had to stop near the old pit lane, and that was going to bring out the safety car to remove Ocon from the track. And this is where it got really interesting. Ferrari brought in Carlos Sainz, giving him soft tires for the final 12 laps of the race. But they left Charles Leclerc out on hard tires, not wanting to give up the track position. Hamilton also came in. He got softs. Sergio Perez, at this point, has worked his way back up through the field. He also got softs, too. And again, to reiterate, Leclerc was in front on an old set of hard tires, attempting to hold off the pack behind him on softs. Good luck with that. Ferrari then orders Carlos to give Leclerc 10 car lanes on the restart so that Leclerc would have a cushion up front. Sainz wasn't having this at all, telling them to stop asking him to do that. Stop inventing. Stop inventing. He wanted a win, and it was served up to him on a platter. Softer tires, P2. He knew he could get the lead, but he also made a very good point to the team. He had Hamilton right behind him, breathing down his neck. So the restart occurs with 10 laps to go, and Leclerc was just simply a sitting duck. However, Hamilton was getting a good push from Perez on the restart and was fighting to hold him off, and that allowed the two Ferraris to get away. That's a good break for Charles Leclerc. Sainz went right after his teammate, though, and passed him down the Wellington Strait. Perez got clear of Hamilton. Leclerc then was in even more trouble because he had a Red Bull and a Mercedes behind him, again, on those old hard tires. Lap 45, though, epic. So you have Carlos Sainz comfortably in front. It got a three-second lead over Leclerc. But coming off the hangar straight, Perez makes a move on Leclerc. Now, as those two were fighting it out of Stowe and into the Vale chicane, Hamilton finds an opening on the inside as they come out of the final turn. 
Hamilton running in second place at this point as he gets past both of those cars. It was a great battle between three teams. Electric atmosphere at that point when the crowd had saw Hamilton getting in to that second position. But it wasn't over because Perez was able to get that position back and with Hamilton going off the track a bit in that fight, Leclerc was able to snatch the third position away, sending Hamilton back to P4. Now, if you thought three cars battling it out were fun, why not make it five? Because here comes Fernando Alonso and Lando Norris. They all joined in the party. You had five drivers, five different teams, all battling for P2 and in a little bit of an order, podium finish. Good, good racing there. Now, the FIA did take note of Perez forcing Hamilton off the track in that exchange, but nothing came of that. If you followed it on social media, there was a lot on that. I mean, people were really upset, but nevertheless, Leclerc was holding his loan, though, on those tires. I got to give him credit for that. He was trying to keep a podium finish in play, but with five laps to go, Hamilton made a run. The two cars were side by side at Cops Corner. Leclerc was able to hold him back until the hangar straight. Hamilton, using DRS, was able to make the move and get into P3. Now we go back up front where Carlos signs with a few opportunities to win this season. Monaco, Montreal had so many disappointing finishes. Imola, Australia, Baku. He watched his teammate dominate the early part of the season. He was playing the good teammate, good second fiddle driver on the team. Now, remember, he had a run at Pierre Gasly in 2020 at Monza when he was with McLaren. He just couldn't break through to the checkered flag. Sunday, he did winning the British Grand Prix. It was the first win for Ferrari since round three in Melbourne. Sergio Perez finishes second. Lewis Hamilton, for the 13th time at Silverstone, was on podium in third. For signs, he's now a Formula One winner. No matter how the Grand Prix went down with attrition, Verstappen's problems, late safety car, it doesn't matter. He won and now has it on his resume. Remember, too, he finished ahead of Leclerc in points last season. He's not a, he's not a second fiddle teammate. He can go faster. He can win races. I have no idea if this opens up gates. I'm not ready to make that kind of prediction, but I don't think that this was a surprise win for those who follow the sport closely. It felt like at some point, Carlos Sainz was going to get a victory and he did on Sunday. Now, Charles Leclerc finishes fourth. It's a disappointing day. He could have really cut into Verstappen's championship lead. Instead, he only gained six points. And once again, it's a strategy failure for Ferrari. They didn't do the swap early in the race when Verstappen had the lead. They were late with the swap when Hamilton had the lead. And both times got lucky because Verstappen had floor damage and Hamilton had a slow pit stop. They did not want to lose track position, bringing in Leclerc, who had the lead during the safety car. I get that. But asking signs for a 10-car gap showed their hand. They favored Leclerc, and I get it. It's the championship, all of that. But Sainz thought it was crazy, and he didn't comply. And he knew he was going to be faster, and he didn't want to battle Hamilton and Perez behind him while Leclerc was off ahead, possibly costing him a shot at a win and maybe even a podium. He was absolutely right on this. And for Charles Leclerc, his bitterness towards the way that race ended is justified. It's once again a strategy failure. This is a guy that should have more wins than he does. I mean, the idea that Australia was the last victory for Charles Leclerc, if you go back to what we were talking about in Melbourne after that Grand Prix, if you had said that guy's not going to win again through round 10, I would have taken that bet. I would have bet against that thought process. He looked like he was going to dominate the season. Red Bull was even saying, well, it's going to take a while before we can catch up to Ferrari. Everybody had that feeling, but... They didn't have the straight line speed in Miami. 
had the lead in Barcelona before an engine failure, cost him that Grand Prix. Then they went to Monaco, and they really screwed that up for him in, Mo- in Monte Carlo because he could have won that race and should have won that race. Instead, he finished fourth. They go to Baku, both cars out of the race, DNFs, and then they go to Canada, and he has to take an engine upgrade, start at the back of the pack. So in the end, he had had multiple chances to win, and multiple times, either because of circumstances with the engine or improper strategy, he doesn't end up on top of the podium. So now you're looking at an opportunity to cut into Verstappen's lead, because Verstappen's struggling, they know he's struggling, he's going to get some points, but maybe not much, and that's what they do. They end up with Charles Leclerc on hard tires, old hard tires, where everybody else is getting softs, and he finishes fourth. But they are starting to see some of the same things that were creeping into Red Bull. Not as dramatic, though, because nobody really thought Sergio Perez was going to be the championship guy on a team with Max Verstappen over the long haul of 22 races. But in the end, Carlos Sainz continues to show that he can put that car up front. Again, as I said earlier, last season he beat Charles Leclerc in points. And I know it's a different machine this year, but in the end, Carlos Sainz is having better Grand Prix of late than Charles Leclerc is. I mean, again, a P2 in Monaco. He finishes second in Montreal, right? Then he's got a win now at Silverstone. That's three of the last four races. Leclerc looked unbeatable, again, at the beginning of the season. But when you look at the last few races, Ferrari is costing him serious points in the championship battle with Max Verstappen. They they just are. They just are. And at the end of the day, we may not get a really good battle for the championship, not because Leclerc has not been competitive or just can't drive or none of those, none of that nonsense. It's because his team doesn't put him in a position to win and take advantage of the opportunity presenting itself when Red Bull and especially Max Verstappen stumble just a little bit. And now they're going to be heading to Austria, Red Bull ring, where Verstappen took both races there last season. I mean, it's, it's a real big uphill battle when you look at where the Ferrari team is in relation to where Red Bull is. I mean, this was a bad day for Verstappen because he ran over some debris. If he didn't run over debris, he probably wins that thing going away. All right, so let's get to the team reports. Let's start with Ferrari because there's no need to really elaborate all that much. They got the win with signs, a fourth for Leclerc. It did come with clumsy strategy and, of course, a little bit of luck. They do need to be careful going forward because Verstappen isn't always going to be driving around in a damaged car and Mercedes has got some upgrades and they're coming on stronger now than ever this season. They can't afford any more missed opportunities to gain points in this championship. They did get more than Red Bull at Silverstone and Leclerc did cut Verstappen's lead by six, but it could have been a lot more. As for Red Bull, Verstappen finishes P7, had that damaged floor. All things considered, it was a really good result. That could have been way down the order. could have been a DNF, but he got that thing around Silverstone to the finish. He fought off Mick Schumacher for that seventh spot, Uh, but he did have the car to beat early on before he did run over the debris. Got a great start at the beginning. The second restart, Sainz held on for that lead, and I thought that was critical for Carlos Sainz. As for Perez... Hey, what a drive by him. Pitted early after damage, made his way through the field, ended up second. Yes, caught a huge break with that late safety car, but nevertheless had the great battles with Leclerc and Hamilton to the end. Good P2 finish for Checo. He's, he's, really, had a, he's really had a great season. As for Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton made a good show of those upgrades on the W13. Finished third. He had a car that could have won. 
And we have not said that about either driver this season for Mercedes, despite even really good results from George Russell and an occasionally good result from Lewis Hamilton. They never really had the car that could contend with Ferrari and Red Bull, but I felt like at Silverstone they did. Now, the slower pit stop cost him when he came in after taking the lead, but overall, it, impress it was really impressive as he tried to track down those Ferraris. Now, as for George Russell, I, I think he gained a lot of new fans with how he reacted after being taken out at the start of the race. He was running to see if Joe Guan Yu was okay after his horrific crash. It had to have been disappointing to him given, you know, listen, outside of those circumstances where you're, you know, fearing the worst for a fellow driver, this is his home Grand Prix. He's finally in the Mercedes. He's having runs in the top five. The car has got an upgrade. You got to think, even though he did not start very well, didn't have a very good qualifying in Q3, he felt maybe, hey, if I could get this thing up, I might be able to contend for the lead here in Silverstone, home crowd and all, and it's over in a flash. But his reaction again, his mindset of, let me go check to see if Joe is okay. That was really, really horrific. Was, was really, really cool to see. His run of consecutive top five finishes are over, of course, because but because his car had to be taken off with help, he could not restart the race. He couldn't repair the car and get back out onto the grid. As for Haas, wow, Mick Schumacher finally gets points in his F1 career. I know I have a lot of American friends, brand new to Formula One, jumped on Haas and the bandwagon, being an American team and all, and they got rewarded. Schumacher finishes eighth. He fought Verstappen for that seventh spot at the end. Everybody seemed happy for the son of the legend, including Sebastian Vettel, Vettel who's behind him going, go Mick, go. It was double points, though, for the team. Terrible qualifying for them on Saturday in the wet. Kevin Magnussen finishing 10th in the Grand Prix. They started 17th and 19th. So, yes, they did benefit from attrition in the race. That's always important. However, this is still double points for the American team, and they can't take anything away from that, especially the effort of Mick Schumacher. All right, let's get to McLaren. Lando Norris finishes sixth and was in the mix with Lewis Hamilton early on as the two Red Bulls and the two Ferraris were having the battle up front at the start of the race. He found himself behind after a late pit stop, but overall a good race in front of the home crowd for him. Daniel Ricciardo, he didn't have a good race or a good weekend. How often have we said that this year? He finished 13th, said his tires were never getting the grip that he wanted. He couldn't get good speed due to that issue. He also, by the way, had no DRS over the final 20 laps, so he had a hard time overtaking. So it disappointing finish once again for Daniel Ricardo. And I'll save it. I'll save it. Alpine. Fernando Alonso got in the five-car battle late for P2. That was a lot of fun. He even said so afterwards. He ended up fifth behind Leclerc. He said something after the race I thought was really interesting. He said Leclerc should have been penalized for weaving. You know, like he did in Montreal and suffered a five-second penalty for it. Uh, but no, he, that didn't happen. Outside of that, the car showed great pace. It was a good Grand Prix for Fernando Alonso. Esteban Ocon avoided any real carnage at the start, was in that mix, got hit by Alexander um, Albon. He was right in the mix of that when Guan Yu Zhou got, went flying. He was able to get the damage fixed, but in the end, during the race, suffered a fuel pump problem, had to retire. That sent out the safety car and helped to find the finish of the race. Aston Martin. Sebastian Vettel finishing P9, scoring points on his birthday, no less. Happy birthday, Seb. He benefited like some others with the safety car, had some damage after contact with Alex Albon at the start. Lance Stroll finished 11th. That was an awful qualifying effort for him that left him last on the grid. He felt like he should have scored some points, though. The upgrades are starting to show a bit for the team. Mike Crack admitted that they didn't manage the races for both drivers very well, but they're doing pretty well with some of the upgrades that they've gotten. Williams. 
All right. All right. If you've a long time listener to this podcast, I'll do it. You got to give credit to Nicholas Latifi for Saturday's Q3 appearance. He started 10th on Sunday. I give him a lot of grief. I think he's terrible, but he does deserve credit. He finished 12th. Maybe he was better on the wet on Saturday than he was the dry on Sunday. He was caught up in a pack of cars, couldn't really do anything in a DRS train. But as for Alexander Albon, he had to be taken to the hospital after a hard collision with the wall at the start. Now, look, I always worry about drivers and cars that go right into the wall and have their sort of speed come to a quick stop. That's a little different than cars that kind of go tumbling down the stretch. And I know that sounds ridiculous because you watch Joe Guan Yu's car and you think, oh my God, how does anybody survive that? And then you see a driver kind of going at speed and then landing into the wall straight on. But I, I am also, I also remember Dale Earnhardt at Daytona back in 2001 when he died and the Physics that were behind that. Earnhardt's crash didn't look all that bad, but the reason it was bad is he was going 190 miles an hour and he basically came to a stop and the, the safety device didn't really work out. So I always worry a little bit with drivers with that immediate impact than a car that kind of goes tumbling. But nevertheless, both drivers okay, and that's really all that mattered. Alpha Tauri, not a good day. Pierre Gasly's move to the middle of Joe Guan Yu and George Russell, that was the move that sort of triggered contact and that led to contact to Joe. But he did get through that and was up to P7 at one point. But then later on, he had contact with Yuki Sonoda, his teammate. He suffered wing damage. That resulted in a DNF. Sonoda finished four. 14th after suffering wing damage as well at the start of the race he was able to get that fixed but then contact with Gasly he did take blame for that and he ended his run towards the points if he was going to gather any for that particular race Alfa Romeo obviously both both drivers struggled Joe Guan Yu though okay that's all that needs to be said here he survived one of the more horrific crashes you will see in motorsports the thing that really scared me was upside down. I think that was really like the idea of the car going upside down and then just going along the circuit upside down onto the gravel and then up into the catch fence. I mean, just, and then where it landed in that sort of small space. I mean, again, not only what did he live, you know, obviously, but he was unhurt. That's really, really incredible. And I you can't say this enough. It really goes to the innovations in safety that motorsports in general have done over the years. You can look at all motorsports and the way that they've looked at what what causes drivers serious injuries or even death. They are doing their best to try to avoid it. And as I said earlier in this podcast, I think the halo debate is over. I don't want to hear it from anybody old school. I don't care if you've been watching Formula One since the 70s. This this halo is saving drivers' lives. And that's that's it. That's that's it. That's end of story. I don't care if there's a bar in the way in visibility. I don't care if it doesn't look good. I don't care. Safety, safety, safety. Valtteri Botas had a gearbox issue, had to stop. He had to retire the car, and that was it. So two drivers that did not finish the Grand Prix, although one of them is walking away and looking forward to Austria, and that's incredible. Speaking of Austria, that is next. It is a short week. Our preview of the Austrian Grand Prix is going to come up later this week. Formula One heading to the Red Bull Ring. Again, that's where Max Verstappen won twice last year. All right, let's quickly go over the points as we head into Austria. Verstappen, 34-point lead over Sergio Perez. Charles Leclerc third. He's 43 points back. Carlos Sainz and George Russell rounding out the top five. As far as the constructors go, Red Bull has a 63-point lead over Ferrari. Mercedes just over 200 points. They're all alone in third. Look out for a cool battle here in fourth and fifth. McLaren currently in fourth, only six points ahead of Alpine. 
All right, so look for our Austrian Grand Prix preview that is coming up later this week. Hey, I want to thank all of you who do subscribe to this podcast. And just, just to let you know a little bit of my philosophy of this, I try to do these within 20 to 25 minutes, maybe a half an hour at the le- at the longest. I've seen other F1 podcasts. It's guests. It's an hour and a half, an hour. I try to avoid that. I want you to consume this podcast in a reasonable amount of time. So again, um, occasionally we might go long with something, but this is the window that I like to fit it in. I hope it fits your schedule and I hope you will pass this podcast along to fellow F1 fans. I really do appreciate the help and support of the Overtake F1 podcast. All right, have a great rest of the week. Look for our Austrian Grand Prix later this week as we preview that race. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.